Welcome to the Bliss Seekers Podcast. Our podcast is intended to inspire people to discover their true purpose and follow their bliss. We're on every major platform, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube. Please make sure you like, subscribe, hit that notification bell. Thank you so much for tuning in to our podcast and please enjoy the show. In Hong Kong, you have a lot of problems with turnover. And I'm telling the young team, I'm like, guys, stay here, stay with us. There's a storm coming. And you're sitting in a safe harbor. You're doing a good job. You're on a winning team. We're, we're doing pretty good for the for the shop. Um, you're in a safe harbor. And a few of them ended up leaving and you know taking a, a nice little raise somewhere else. But they were new at an organization going into a storm. Mm. And I think that was one thing I took away, you know, from the other two shops was, you know, when when things are tough, even if you don't like it, fake it. Right. Yeah. Right. You know, it's not about you. When 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 the global economy gets shaken, um, it's 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 more more than ever about the team, who wants to really be there, um, who's adding value, and so you 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 get different views. You take a little bit more mature. Funny hearing that from me because I was always the one that was a little left of mature. Um, but you start to think through things a little bit better, and, and you're a little bit more patient with your colleagues, a little bit more respectful, and you probably actually get to a place where you should be year round. All right, welcome back to the podcast. Today we have a very special guest. He is a managing director at a major private bank in Hong Kong, acting as the Asia head of private equity coverage. In his role, he's responsible for developing relationships with general partners of private equity firms and their respective funds across Asia. He coordinates with his partners to deliver his firm's platform to the private equity asset class to include subscription facilities, private banking, investment banking, and funds distribution. Prior to joining his current firm, he spent 12 years with Silicon Valley Bank in several senior positions, including cash management advisor, global treasure advisor, and managing director, where he was responsible for the firm's global private equity service group. He managed relationships with more than 130 international venture capital firms throughout Asia, Europe, Israel, and South America. In addition to his current role as an advisor to the board of directors of both the China Venture Capital Finance Organization, and the Hong Kong Private Equity Finance Association. He is also a board member of the Children's Medical Foundation and a member to the Hong Kong Select USA Committee focused on generating direct foreign investment to the United States. He holds a bachelor's degree in business from Pepperdine University and an MBA from Pepperdine University's Grazia Dio School of Business. Prior to business school, he was a mentor for BUILD, a nonprofit committed to helping under-resourced high school students succeed in school and go to higher education by helping them start and run their own businesses. Please welcome to the podcast, Mr. Terrence Phillips. Hey, welcome. Hey, good morning from Hong Kong. How you guys doing? Good. Good afternoon good. from San Francisco. Yeah, and good, uh, good afternoon from Hawaii, right? Uh, so today is a very special podcast because we're doing this kind of internationally here. Uh, and we're all in different locations, so this is exciting. But hey, man, it's good to see you again. It's been a while. Uh, how's everything over there in Hong Kong? Uh, you know, listen, it's, it's getting a lot better over here. The Hong Kong government's done a fabulous job uh, managing COVID. Town's coming back alive. Uh, we've gone through a couple of uh, spikes and, and peaks, but um, at the end of the day, they manage the cases to a, a very low number, very That's low number. Good. That's awesome. But so, uh, 
and on this podcast, we always like to start by getting to know the person because I feel that if people know that your story, where you come from, they can connect with you better. So, so let's start at the beginning. I know you weren't born and raised in Hong Kong, Terrence. <laughs> so talk about it. Where were you born and raised? How'd you grow up? Yeah, listen, um, Cleveland, Ohio, a, a small, wonderful town outside of Cleveland called Parma, Ohio. Okay. Um, you know, in, in the 50s, it was probably one of the fastest growing suburbs in the U.S., Okay. And, uh, you know, the, t- the town slowly hit a decline um, as it happens as, as towns age and, and, you know, things change, but uh, just a wonderful place to grow up, you know. Uh, nice. And uh, how, how long did you spend in, Ohio, in the Midwest, Ohio, before you came to the, to the West Coast? Yeah, so 18 years. Uh, as soon as I graduated high school, I was off in the Marine Corps and uh, straight to the West Coast. Okay. So the Marine Corps, talk about that. Um, how, what was that experience like? Uh, that experience was a true experience, right? <laughs> it, uh, yeah. I, I had it very, very easy. I can't, you know, uh, you know, no, no drama here. Um, definitely didn't serve in, 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 in any war or combat. So yeah, that was a great experience um, having not had to do that. Um, yeah. But the brotherhood was just amazing. And it's still something that uh, to this day, even here in Hong Kong, uh, spent a lot of time with um, former U.S. Marines at the U.S. Embassy. Um, it opens up doors to, you know, spend time with the U.S. Consul General, the ambassador. Um, so it, it was a, a really good experience. And I, I could keep going on if I don't know, you know, yeah. no, it's okay. specific questions. No, yeah, I understand. Because, you know, a lot of times what I've learned and we've learned is that when people are successful, there's something that happened in their upbringing. You know, there's some type of skill or some type of uh, experience they've had that have made them successful, you know? And I know the military, you know, regardless of whether you go to war or not, they train you and develop you to become successful. You know what I mean? And do you feel like any of the skills you learned in is the Marines, you said? Marine yeah. Corps. Yeah. Do you feel Same like thing, that, right? the Marine Corps was, uh, was uh, the, the training you got there, the mental toughness you got there, you think it's, it's helped you in life? Yeah, listen, I, I would go back um, even even further than that. So, you know, going back to, to growing up in Cleveland, um, father had a factory manufacturing plastic parts and metal stamping. And you know, a day off of, from school, you, you went and worked in the factory, right? You, you, you went and, um, you know, someone handed you a broom, someone put you on a molding machine, um, a metal stamping machine, and, and you just figured things out, right? Um, and there was a great relationship there with a lot of the, the co-workers in, in the factory. So you, you kind of grew up pretty quick, um, a wonderful sense of humor in a Midwest town. Uh, people come to work, they work hard, they joke around and, you know, they have a lot of fun. Um, and I think, you know, listen, I, I was never really a student in, in, in the high school times. And so uh, the opportunity came to join the Marine Corps. And then you, you go through a a lot of different experiences there and duty stations and different friends and um, meeting people from all over the country. Um, but uh, a friend of mine here in, in Hong Kong, a 73 year old, I think uh, Vietnam vet, Purple Heart. Um, we were having dinner at the ambassador's house and we we're mentoring the young Marines about kind of getting out of the Marine Corps. Cause even if you're a lifer or you're a, a four year contract, you're gonna get out, right? right. It's inevitable. And he, he told us, the, the Marine Corps, he's wrapping up this dinner and he just had a tone in his voice. So I, li- I listened intently, right? And he was, he said, the Marine Corps will give you two things that'll always ensure you're successful. You'll make order out of chaos and you'll make a decision when nobody else will. Wow, that's powerful. 
and I was, I, I think, I mean, this was just about three, four years ago and a light switch went off and I was like, wow, because I've never been the smartest guy in the room. I mean, that's, <laughs> we don't have to worry about that, right? Don't worry, I'm um, with you on that one, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So I, 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 I think that holds true for probably most guys that are in the gals that are in the service. Um, it, it doesn't have to be the Marine Corps. You, you, you want to pound your chest and say it was, but um, you know, I think military service does that for, for everyone. Okay. Awesome. So that's helped you make decisions uh, throughout your entire life when you needed to make a decision. Yeah. 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 Sometimes when I shouldn't be the guy making the decision, you still step up and make a decision. Hey, that's called. Can, you, can right? you remind us two things again? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, make a decision when nobody else will mm -hmm. and you'll make order out of chaos order out of chaos okay. yeah and I, you know making the order out of chaos probably comes first um mm -hmm. and then you start making decisions so those are leadership skills when i hear order out of chaos i i hear okay i mean life is pretty much it's never going to go smoothly you know what i mean like it's never you know how i don't know if you saw that meme terrence where it says success is not a straight line it's the squiggly line and then you're successful, right? So, I mean, if you have that skill since young, you know, where you can make order out of chaos, I believe that that gives you a, a lot of those, that ability to be able to handle everything that life throws your way, right? And then making a decision when no one else will, there's very few leaders out there, right? And nobody wants to step up for fear of maybe looking bad or not, not being sure, but hey, if you have those two skills, that's awesome. So, that, that's definitely a good point. So if you guys are out there listening in the YouTube world, you know, those are two good points he just gave, gave us on how to be successful. So um, how long did you spend in the military before you got out? So signed up for a six-year run. Uh, I was supposed to go to a language school in, in Monterey. And um, after the Gulf War, they were downsizing. That didn't work out. Um, and I ended up for the most part of my tour, uh, guarding embassies overseas. Uh, so I spent a couple of years in Paris, a couple of years in Caracas, Venezuela, and uh, finished up my last year. You know, there, there was a, some months of training along the way um, and spent my last year down in San Diego. Okay. Any, any interesting experiences or people you had when you were overseas? Yeah, listen, that, that started day one. So you go through this very intense, probably two or three months school uh, in Quantico, Virginia. Uh, you're training with the State Department and, and, and various other agencies there. Um, very rigorous, uh, you know, probably about 50% of the class doesn't make it through. And these are some, some exceptional Marines, right? Mm -hmm. they, they just find little details to, to kind of weed you out. But um, as soon as I got to the embassy in Paris, it was just pure entertainment, right? Uh, I, you know, I think uh, Pamela Harriman was there who, Pamela Harriman was the head of the Democratic Party that was credited with getting Bill Clinton elected. Oh, wow. Um, she had met, had uh, several very famous husbands along the way, uh, <laughs> all very wealthy, all passed away. And um, yeah, so a lot of uh, foreign dignitaries would come through town, celebrities, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger would come through town, uh, you know, met uh, former President Bush there, Clinton, uh, secretaries of state, secretaries of defense. So it was a very interesting role for a, a young man. Okay. Um, and um, so when you when you got out of the military where were, where were you at were you in the bay area still or yeah so that, that was uh that was pretty interesting so you're living overseas as a young guy you have a embassy driver you're living in a really nice apartment that you, you couldn't afford uh, you're, <laughs> you, you know having a good life and then i come back to a regular marine corps base knowing that i'm going to get out but i still have one year left to serve 
Right. And so I go back to my like cinder block room. <laughs> it was, it was a, a taste of reality, right? Because, you, yeah. you know, uh, Paris, we had an apartment, Venezuela, we six Marines living in a, a giant home with a swimming pool. And, um, and so that, that kind of drove you, you know, it was like, wait a minute, you know, I, I had a taste of something that was special. I really enjoyed living overseas, you know, meeting different folks, having different experiences. Um, and so coming back to that cinder block room, <laughs> yeah, and living on base and getting three square meals a day, right? You go to the chow hall and yeah. uh, you, know, you get your Marine Corps chow. Um, that was kind of a moment that I was like, hey, I want to go back to school. And I know it was going to be hard, right? So you're looking at, um, I got out in around 97. So the you're looking at the kind of the dot-com bubble growing at that point. Uh, so a lot of people were having <coughs> some good success. Um, you know, people were making money, stock markets going up, everything was wonderful. Yeah. And I left the cinder block room to go to uh, a junior college for a little bit and transferred to Pepperdine. And you're just making it through, right? Like, yeah, you, you barely have money to go on. Yeah. So what was that like? So, so you mentioned a couple of things. First of all, you got the taste of the good life. And that was implanted in you. And, you know, it's when you get a taste of it, you can't just go back. It's like, it's kind of like you feel like you're going backwards, right? So right. do you feel that kind of caused like a drive in you to be successful? Yeah, absolutely. Because I, I think, you know, I always, you always have those dreams as a kid and you, you, you want the bigger, better life. Um, and so, again, you, you just get this taste of it being a, a Marine working at an embassy. And at the end of the day, you're the doorman, you're hitting the button, checking the ID. You're, you're the security guard, but you know you, you had that taste, and then it was. I think the hard challenge, and this is what we talked to a lot of the young Marines about, is you have to go back and you have to go to school and you have to be a student. And it doesn't matter, you know, so much the path you take, but you have to finish that. Mm -hmm. And so I just had it in my mind, just like you, you sign a six-year enlistment. When you start on that journey with school, finish it, right? It's you know, if you're going you're gonna to cut one year off because you got to three years and you said, uh, you know, this isn't for me, I'm going to go do something else. Well, how about you finish it and then go do something else? Right. So I think it gave me that drive and that discipline, no matter how hard it got and how uh, difficult it was just, just to finish it. Yeah. And, you know, what, what a lot of people don't realize about school, unless you're like um, a very, um, like um, a trade, like a doctor or an engineer, something that takes a lot of skill, most school is basically, can you be given a task and can you complete it within a certain period of time? Does that make sense? Like they just want to see if you can get it done and the quicker and the better you can get it done, you know, obviously the, the more accolades you get. Right. But, but that's, that's good because um, obviously, you know, it helps the, 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 the former Marines or the people that get out of the military to, to go to what's next instead of just being like, you know, not really having a goal or a plan. Right. So uh, I have a question. Why did you choose Pepperdine? Because I know Pepperdine's a very good school and their business is good. Because I have a funny story in 1995. So, you, so when did you start at Pepperdine? Was it 98? 98, 99. Okay, so in 95, I had just graduated from high school. And I was picking my, I was trying to pick a college, right? And I, we're flying to Mexico and uh, there's this lady sitting next to me and she looked like she was very successful. I was like drawing a little picture, right? Cause I was really good at art. So I was drawing a football player and she looks over and she goes, that's really good. What's your name? And I was like, 
Isaac. She's like, let me see that. And I was like, she's like, how old are you? And I'm like, 18. And she's like, are you going to college? I'm like, yeah. So anyway, she was like grilling me. And I was like, why is this lady grilling me? She's like, my name is Dana Monosoff. I own Monosoff Corporation. I'm flying down to Pepperdine to teach students because they have a they have a program in their business school where they require uh, people that are actually working in whatever they're studying to teach the kids right because instead of a teacher nothing against teachers teachers are amazing right but but teachers normally don't actually have any experience in the subject that they teach or they never own businesses or they never actually did that but there was a program she said in Pepperdine which is probably the school you went to where they would bring in people that were if you were taking marketing they brought in someone that owns a marketing corporation or if you were in this so, so they actually had real live examples of people or teachers who were who are doing what they're teaching versus just teaching out of a book. Yeah, so so what was it about Pepperdine? Yeah, it, it just goes back to, to high school. And I remember there's this big wall with all these colleges on it, right? right. And I see Malibu, California, and you, you see the beautiful view of the beach. And I was like, oh, I wanna go there. And then it was just kind of like, yeah, no, you're not going anywhere, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> um, you're not going to any school. So don't even take the little, they had the little cards on there, right? And you, you'd pull one off and you'd, you'd send them your information, right? right. Um, and then being so close to it, you know, I, I went to junior college at Los Angeles Pierce College, um, played a year of football there. That was excellent. Uh, it was an excellent transition into school. I was terrible, uh, but you know, you just, just enjoyed it. And it was a good the transition. Brotherhood again. You got that brotherhood again. Yeah, actually, actually, it was something I probably needed. Yeah. Um, so the brotherhood with the team. Um, yeah, and then so just I ended up transferring over to Pepperdine and um, just stayed loyal, did my executive MBA program down there years later. And, you know, very good school, very good school. Yeah. Um, did you know what you wanted to do while you were in school? <laughs> no, and this is the funny part. So um, I studied international business because like, okay, international, but that was just a tag. I mean, you have a regular business degree and then they throw some international aspect to it. Um, but the, just near graduation, I'm walking across campus with my buddy, Leon, and, uh, he's like, oh, you know, there's a campus recruiting tour. And he's like, Silicon Valley bank, uh, Darren works there. You should go talk to Silicon Valley bank. So I walk over, I'm in my like shorts and backpack and have no resume. And the guy's like, oh yeah, you know, we're, we're chit-chatting. And his father, his grandfather was a Marine. So he's like, Hey guy, just, just give me your resume and I'll get you set up. And that was the story into banking. That was a story into finding some small avenue um, to find a profession because I just didn't know where I was going. I didn't know how to, how to take this. Um, okay. You know, great. You have a degree and you have an interesting story to tell about, you know, some time overseas and stuff, but that doesn't tell you what you can do for a, co for a company. Right. And so it seems like the Marines, again, there, there you go, <laughs> leading you to your path. Um, so, so you, so you started with Silicon, Silicon Valley bank. That was your first job out of college. Yes. Yeah. yeah. First so, job out of college. But you were in Southern California, right? That's where Pepperdine is at. Yeah. Okay. So, so you had to move again. Now you, now you're, now you're in Southern California. You went all the way to the Bay area. Yeah. Which was, was going up to Silicon Valley at the time was just crazy. When you're living in LA, Malibu, you, you, you go up to Northern California and it's just, strange right like nine o'clock at night roll yeah, the side pops up into bed get yeah. ready for the day of hard work I, you know it was that was a strange move yeah yeah i i understand i lived in southern california for a while but i know what you mean because then the bay area is more like family oriented like career oriented 
And, and I'm mean, not like there's not fun stuff to do, but you got to go to different areas. The Silicon Valley is like just work and family and stuff. And where you were at Malibu and all that must have been just fun and, and living the life. And, you know, uh, uh, what was that like, actually? Just real quick, tell us a little bit about yeah. the experience in college. OK, so well, I guess one one key piece I left out when I was, I was down in Venezuela and had no plans of girlfriend or marriage and just uh, fell in love with a beautiful gal. Mm. Um, we ended up getting married. Um, while I was still in school. Wow. So, you know, I, I worked as a bouncer at the Malibu Inn or, you know, I like really had no job. Let's just put it that way. I had no job. Um, and she was just the strength though, that, that carried me through school, carried me through all that transition. So uh, at the same time, I'm moving up there um, to, you know, uh, Silicon Valley, you have student loans coming due, you have a wife to take care of. Wow. And Actually, I say that, but in, in all truth, she was taking care of me. Right. Yeah. Uh, they say behind every successful man, there's a, there's a strong woman. Yeah, she's a badass. So, like, <laughs> tough, <laughs> tough gal, tough gal. So you met her in Venezuela? Yeah. And so um, our first date, uh, she spoke a very little English, and I, I spoke almost no Spanish. And we took a dictionary, we went out and had some beers and we just really had a good time. And then my, um, I had this cousin from Ohio who married a Venezuelan uh-huh. and she happened to be in Venezuela at the time of our first date. Wow. Um, and we all went out and we, we had a good time. And then, you know, we lived a few miles down the road from them in California and uh, they were tremendously helpful as a young couple finding your way. Uh, yeah, so th- there's a couple links there. That's crazy. That just seems like the universe was had your back with that whole situation like yeah so that was before google translate on your smartphone right yeah that was before even cell phones really because right? <laughs> I, mean, like, I was like yeah take a dictionary so now now you just take your phone and you do the google translate <laughs> okay so then here's you're landing in silicon valley but i came back from um, a four-year tour overseas and i'm over a friend's house and they're getting online and they're on like aol online yeah. with the whole thing yeah. and i'm like it's like friday night i'm like come on little guys let's go out and they're like no no no, we're online we're we're, we're in chat rooms <laughs> what are you talking about <laughs> yeah so i i had missed a lot of kind of you know growth in in kind of the u.s uh, mm. like telecommunications computers because you, you didn't see that much in venezuela i mean it, it's there and it's strong and there's you know uh, a lot of smart folks down there but at the time you know there weren't you weren't online yeah, that's a, that might have been a good thing, actually, because it, 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 you still were one of those that actually goes out and meets people and goes and does stuff, right? Instead of stuck behind a computer. I remember AOL chat rooms. I still remember when I got my first computer and AOL, I was stuck on that thing for hours a day. And, uh, you know, instead of living real life, I was stuck on AOL chat rooms for eight to 10 hours a day. But I did get my Raiders internship because of it. So I guess that was a good thing, right? <laughs> so now now you got you got the job at Silicon Valley Bank. So your wife was, you guys were already married and together. Was she with you in Southern California? Yes, yeah. Okay. And, and so my point to telling that story was it just wasn't good times of partying. It was, you know, we were working hard. Um, you know, we both had our little jobs and we made ends meet. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was that was the point. So yeah, so at this point, I, I get up to, to Silicon Valley Bank. And the one thing I can say is um, throughout my whole career, in, and whether it's in the Marine Corps, whether it's a, a civilian job, um, had some really great leaders there, right? Uh, some folks who really took an interest in me. Um, 
and they make all the difference in the world in your career. So, you know, if you're going through some transition period, um, having someone that is your champion, mm -hmm. you know, you, you can work hard and you can be, um, you know, you can, you can be that rising star, right? But there are times you need someone to pull you in a room and say, hey, guy, slow down. Uh, hey, you said this, you probably meant this. We'll accept that, you know. Um, and I think in the corporate world, too, a lot of things happen behind closed doors. Right. So, you know, two senior guys get together. They're talking about the up and coming talent. Um, you know, they can push you one way or another, just depending on where they they, they feel they are with you. Right. And right. Uh, it's not just hard work, but it, it, it does take uh, good champions. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, um, yeah, you know, I, I think having the right relationships with the right individuals in the organization, um, that was very helpful. So if you're, you know, you're in your audience, you know, it's not just hard work. Yeah. Right. Because I know I wasn't in that caliber. Right. So when I was in banking for probably about two years, that's a funny story here. Um, uh, a fellow Ashwalani hires me to go do some lending. Right. And they're like, hey, what, what, you're going to let Terrence lend money. What, what are you talking about? Right. <laughs> and Ash was the guy that kind of said, hey, hold on. I, I, I can teach him that part. He has this other skill set that I want. And um but yeah, I had never lent out money and, and, and banking, you know, listen, there's kind of a hierarchy, right? You know, yeah. you have your probably investment bankers at the top, your commercial lenders somewhere down here. And then, you know, it, it, lending money is a big responsibility for the bank, right? You're, you're putting the bank's balance sheet at risk. You're putting the shareholders money at risk. So um, that was an individual who took, um, took me, you know, by the hand and said, okay, I'm going to teach this individual. He has a few skill sets that I like. He's missing a whole bunch here. <laughs> Mm -hmm. um so yeah that, that's where i'm going with you know you have to have a good champion it, it, you, you can have all the goodwill and hard work but you know make those relationships with the people who are gonna uh speak for you when the door's closed yeah it, they say if it was just about hard work you know all the the servers and the construction workers they'd all be successful because if it was just about hard work because that's hard work right but like you said it, it takes mentorship it takes you know you know, being in the right place at the right time with the right people that can see something in you and, and help you out. But I also would say that you had some qualities that they saw because every successful person knows what qualities it takes to be successful. And when they see somebody that has it, especially a younger person that they can mentor, they say, hey, I want to help this person be success successful. So like he said, you had certain qualities, maybe it was leadership, Maybe it was people ability. Maybe it was uh, hard work. Maybe it was making the decision when no one else would. <laughs> Maybe it was making, you know, uh, taking chaos and making something out of it. But because of that, the, the, the people who are already at the top said, hey, I like this guy. I like it, the qualities he has. Let me just teach him all the stuff that he doesn't know. So, so what was Silicon Valley Bank like? You know, now you're here in the Bay Area. It's kind of yeah. different. It's kind of weird. You know, you and your wife are here starting a new life. And what was that like? Wow. Uh, so you listen to the, the first few years, I was kind of in the back end of the bank um, doing like product implementations, treasury, cash management. Um, but there was a wonderful experience there because you got to learn what made the bank tick, right? You were in the, the operations of the bank. Um, you were meeting all the individuals that, you know, stuff doesn't just, maybe more so now it's electronic, but, you know, things had to happen and, and individuals in different departments had to move things and make uh, make the elephant dance, right? Right. 
And um, so th those first few years, it was just a fabulous experience of getting to meet all the hardworking uh, men and women uh, that, that really make, made the bank work, right? Um, and so I wasn't on the front line, what they call, right? I was, you know, in the back, um, but the, just the, the quality of people was amazing and the, and the relationships. And so when I had that opportunity to shift um, to a more client facing role, um, I knew how to get the bank to work, right? And it, even if I didn't know, I knew, I knew who to talk to, right? Uh, I, I called my girl Keith in the wire room and she would explain things to me. Uh, she might cuss at me and you know, <laughs> give me a hard time, but she would tell me how, how to do something I didn't know how to do. Um, so those friendships were very valuable then and um, you know, kind of moving things forward. Um, and then just being at the right place at the right time, I, I showed interest in the inter international side just as the bank was expanding globally. And that gave me then the opportunity to uh, really be a, a small part of the team that um, expanded the bank into India, China, Israel, UK. Yeah. So it seems like the fact that you started at the bottom, so to speak, and you were able to learn the, the, the inner workings of how the whole bank worked, build relationships, it helped you a lot as you made your way up to the top because you kind of understood the heart and soul of the bank versus some executive just coming in and doesn't really know what's going on and making decisions. Is that, is that, is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it was, it was truly a gift. So, so tell us about your, your rise up in Silicon Valley bank. You know, how, how was that like? I, I know it's a good company. I know my cousin works there. That's how I met you. You know, yeah. I know a lot of people, they stay there for a very long time. Like uh, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, that, that was the, I, I think the amazing thing about it, just the, the, the quality of the people, the quality of the organization, the, um, what do they call the, the, the culture of the organization, right? It, it was just spot on. So um, as we were going around and, and, and building the bank in the global markets, uh, the whole global thing was still pretty new. Um, so you're, you're like this small little team within the bank that's trying to th set things up and, and make it work. And, you know, if you failed, they would just, kind of push, you know, it would have just been pushed away and nobody would have even known you existed, right? Um, but that's where I think there was a lot of mentorship, right? Um, so you're starting to have your first successes professionally. Um, you're starting to lend some money. You're starting to win, you know, win a little bit. And, you know, a couple things in there you can unpack, which is, okay, so what's worse than losing? Winning, right? right. Because you win, you want to win again. You want to yeah. win more. And, I think as you're kind of growing and having those first career successes and you do start tasting a win, um, you need good people around you to kind of pull you back down and, 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 and settle you down. Yeah. Um, and I was very fortunate across our team that there was um, several people looking after me. And I, I, I would just say that it's probably a trend throughout my career is, um, you know, having those people that, that look after you to, you know, steer you when you're, you're, you're going off, off focus. So you can start winning. Um, but winning has its challenges. Yeah, because then the standard gets higher. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Then you have to keep winning. You start running, and I, I think in the probably the last five years at Silicon Valley Bank, like it just went by like this, right? We, you know, I was traveling a lot um, all over the globe, coming back and forth. Everything that was going on in Asia was so exciting, right? And and you'd mentioned earlier, or you'd comment on something I said where uh, you get a taste of the good life. Mm -hmm. And so um, what's happening in China right now is year over year over year, everyone's having a better life, wow. right? Life is getting better for everyone. And that's driving a work ethic 
that is just just phenomenal, right? And um, I have a lot of friends uh, in China that I've probably known for 15 years or more, and just seeing them be successful and seeing their life change and their growth in that time period, and then going to the different cities, and you know, you you can go to cities that are bigger than LA um, in a much smaller area because you know high rises and uh, much more modern cities. Uh, so there's a lot of fantastic things happening over here. Um, I won't comment on politics. That's you know that, that's neither here nor there. But when you look at the people, the people are, are just so energized um, and they want to live a better life, right? They want more education. They, they value education. They value family. Uh, they value, uh, you know, re respect of, hey, you know, I have to do better than the next generation, which is something I had in the Midwest growing up. Right. Right. So that I, I think that that touched on something in me that, that kind of inspired me to be over here. Right. Mm. So you found the similar values from the Midwest in China right now. Yeah, which first time I've ever said that, but, you know, we're, we're sitting here having this conversation and it's, it's kind of flowing. So kind of yeah. ironic. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, it's all connected somehow. It comes full circle. Yeah, when I was a little kid, I was digging in my sandbox and this is the first like anything I can remember about China. I'm digging my sandbox and my older brother comes by. And he's like, hey, son, if you keep digging, you'll, you'll get to China. And so I start, I start digging like, hey, I was going to, you know, go straight through and, and I was going to be in China. And a, a few days later, we're playing in the creek down the, down the street. And I find a bro broken piece of uh, Chinaware. And it said, made in China. Yeah, wow. Like, See, I told you that came all the way down the stream from. <laughs> the so, you know, when you, when you put it all together, it's just funny being over here. Yeah. yeah. One of my favorite quotes is from Steve Jobs. He said, you can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect them looking backwards. And so, you know, that's why I really love this podcast and in it, talking to people and getting to know their story, because for one, people don't really tell, you don't really tell your story because you can't sit in front of somebody and be like, hey, let me tell you my life story. You know what I mean? But as you start going through it, all the dots start to connect for people. And I right. think it's awesome. It's pretty cool. Right. Um, and so, so, so you're, you're in the bank, things are growing, things are going fast. Um, what years were you at Silicon Valley Bank? So like 2002 to um, about 2013. Okay. Um, my, my main champion there had, had moved on. Um, and there, there were some changes in senior management, which were really good changes. Um, you know, the, the new CEO, the old CEO had picked him years before and, and things were progressing in the organization. Um, and at that point, I was really pushing to come over to China. And they're kind of like, hey, Terrence, listen, time to turn the business over, buddy. You did a good job, you know. And, and so we did that, right? We, we went through that process. And um, at the same time, then somebody starts whispering in my ear from uh, my, my new shop. And um, it, it meant me moving over here. So I was kind of like, well, you know, I, it's kind of like leaving your family again, right? right. Um, when you have such a wonderful experience like that. But I was like, you know, I have to try this, right? And it wasn't like I wasn't trying to negotiate it, but I, I just, I came over and joined this new shop and I was lost. It was so big, so bureaucratic. Um, the magic that the old shop had, I couldn't, I didn't know how to make the elephant dance, right? You couldn't just go down and, and talk to uh, Keith in the wire room or, or call yeah. Daniel over here. You know, you didn't have that, that connectivity. Um, and I would shine, this is, this is the Marine Corps thing though. I would shine my shoes every day going to work, knowing that I was just going to take a beating. <laughs> right. And I came in with some pretty high expectations from, you know, my colleagues and I would I'd, I'd get in the elevator. I had the shiniest damn shoes going up the, the, the elevator. 
Um, but at the end of the day, nothing was happening. And it was probably the first 10 months uh, before we closed some deals. And I walk in my colleague's Wayne's office and uh, Wayne was in this special position working for the CEO. And we're just chit-chatting on a Monday. And uh, Wayne's a great guy. He'd always help me through things and mentor me. And I'm walking out of his office and Wayne says, hey, Terrence, by the way, uh, if you don't close a deal soon, Basam's probably going to let you go. <laughs> like, oh. <laughs> um, but in the next two months, we, we, we closed three big deals. And that gave me the opportunity and privilege to have one more year. There you go. <laughs> yeah, to, to, to give it a shot. That's awesome. And, and so you mentioned something. So you were at Silicon Valley Bank in 2008. And you were at your new firm during the whole COVID thing. So you've kind of worked in banking during certain crises. Can you talk about that a little bit? Like, what's that like? Yeah, you know, listen, it's... Um, I, I think it's changed as you've you've been through many crises, and um, I, I think one thing is like uh, Chief Credit Officer once told me, he's like, listen, you know, you, you don't understand risk until you've been through a crisis, mm -hmm. right? Um, so you you start becoming a little bit more mature in the way you look at risk and you manage the shareholders' money because at the end of the day, it's the shareholders' money, it's the client's money, it's the bank's money, it's not yours, right. and um, you have to be a lot more responsible with it, right? Um, and so your views start to, to grow because you, you've, you've seen it before um, and you, you just know there's a cycle coming. And I, it was funny, I'm, I'm looking at Hong Kong Harbor now, right right now as I'm telling you this, but going into the, the, the so it was what, what, 2019 before COVID, we're going into the um, end of the year. And I just come back from New Zealand where I was with some pretty well-connected folks. And they're like, hey, things are going to get pretty tough. We're at the end of a 10-year growth cycle. Um, the China-US problems are going on. And so, you know, they, they kind of enlightened me. And in Hong Kong, you have a lot of problems with turnover. And I'm telling the young team, I'm like, guys, stay here, stay with us. There's a storm coming and you're sitting in a safe harbor. You're doing a good job. You're on a winning team. We're, we're, we're doing pretty good for the, for the shop. Um, you're in a safe harbor. And a few of them ended up leaving and you know taking a, a nice little raise somewhere else, but they were new at an organization going into a storm. Mm. And I think that was one thing I took away, you know, from the other two shops was, you know, when when things are tough, even if you don't like it, fake it. Right. Yeah. Right. You know, it's not about you. When 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 the global economy gets shaken, um, it's 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 more more than ever about the team who wants to really be there. Um, who's adding value. And so you, 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 you get different views. You take a little bit more mature. It's funny hearing that from me because I was always the one that was a little left of mature. Um, but you start to think through things a little bit better and, and you're a little bit more patient with your colleagues, a little bit more respectful. And you probably actually get to a place where you should be year round. Right. So all that experience in, in, in the, I think it even started from the, when you worked in the, your father's uh, little factory, you know what I mean? Like yeah. just handling things from young and then the Marines and then 2008 and here you are now. Thank you for tuning in. That was the end of part one. Part two comes out next Monday, 9 a.m. Please stay tuned. Make sure you like and subscribe to our channel and hit that notification bell so that YouTube will let you know when the next one comes out.